Hey, thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and you can give by clicking the link below. But for now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
Good morning. For those of y'all that I have not met yet, my name is Gus Bishop. I get the privilege to be one of the pastors here at the Vine Church, and I am a cameraman's worst nightmare, okay, because I am going to move back and forth, and I just can't help it. So you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. Um, It's an honor and privilege to be here with you guys this morning as we are continuing in week two of our series, Running From God. And, And if you've never been to church before, if you've been here, haven't been in a while, like you may have recognized this story a little bit about this guy named Jonah who was swallowed by a giant fish, right? And it's, it's a little weird considering that it's very similar to a story, uh, a, a fairy tale of a guy named Pinocchio, right, who was swallowed by a giant fish. And while he was in the belly of this fish, he built a campfire and in the process got reunited and reconnected to his creator, Um, The irony is the story of Jonah is very similar because while he was in the belly of the fish, he was reconnected to his creator. But unlike the story of Pinocchio, the fictional story, we believe that the story of Jonah is historical and factual because Jesus believed that it was historical and factual. Jesus actually even uh, talks about the story of Jonah as he talks about his death and resurrection. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man, and he's speaking of himself there, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So if Jesus says this is historical and factual, we can say that it's historical and factual too. Amen? All right, so if you have your, uh, well, actually, the series is actually about, on just what the bumper video said, when we run from God, God runs towards us. When we run from God, God, God runs towards us. So we're going to kick off this morning, jumping right into Jonah chapter 2. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, you can go there. If you don't, the words will be on the screen. But if you do not have a Bible, here's what I want to encourage you. We want to encourage you that when you leave here, go to our guest services desk or our cafe counter and grab one of our free Bibles. Grab two, grab three of them. You can give one to someone. That's fine. Keep one for yourself because here's what we know and we believe. It's the word of God does not return void. The word of God in combination with a personal relationship with Jesus, empowered with Holy Spirit in us, not only will make our lives forever for the better, better forever, but will also change the lives of those around us forever for the better. As we begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ 
Amen? All right, before we jump in, I just want to pray for us. I actually want to pray for me as well. So um, will you join me in prayer? Dad, we just thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your grace, your goodness. We thank you so much for uh, the way you love us. We thank you that you chose to breathe your life, your very breath of life into our lungs so that we may live. And Dad, we just pray this morning that that you have, we, we, we hope that you have already been blessed. Your heart has been blessed by our worship. We pray as we continue this morning that your heart will continue to be blessed. God, we just want more of you. We just want to see your face. We just want more of your glory. And so dad, be with us this morning. And if there's anyone here that is, has any type of distraction, whether it's a physical illness or ailment, Lord, or whether it's something, anxiety and fear that maybe they walked in with this morning, by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we say no to that. No to fear, no to anxiety. Healing come, bring healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. And all who agree with this prayer said, amen, amen. amen. All right, so listen, we're going to jump right into this this morning. Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you, referring to God, heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Listen, one of the ways that we run from God is in our prayer lives. Sometimes we run from God in our prayer lives. Uh, and, And most of the time, we don't even recognize that we're running from God in our prayer lives. How many of you have maybe seen or participated or posted something on social media where someone is sharing an overwhelming concern and you guys, uh, begin, people begin to respond by saying, praying for you, praying for you and your family, praying, praying, praying. There is that prayer hand emoji, right? Uh, that we sometimes send as well. I got a couple of text messages this morning with that on it. Um, but we've participated in that. And I saw one this past week and I was getting ready to respond with praying for you. And, and I saw that a guy had posted this. He said, I do not believe in prayer, but I'm sending good thoughts and hopes for the best your way. And listen, I can only assume that, this, that his thought was, well, what good will praying do? And for me, I'm thinking, well, what good are good hopes and thoughts going to do? And it's not a judgment. But see, because in my experience, what I've recognized and what I probably would guess is that somewhere along the line, this guy has prayed to God for something that wasn't answered. Right? How many of us have prayed to God for something that wasn't answered? 
Yeah, like I, I, I just this, a couple of weeks ago when we were getting all that rain, you know, 40 days and 40 nights of rain, like, <laughs> but there was, a, there was a, a time period in there of about three days when the temperature hovered right around 35 degrees, right? And I remember sending a text to Pastor David and I was like, why won't the temperature drop just five degrees? Because we would have so much snow on the ground. Because see, when we moved up here to help start this church 12 years ago, Pastor David and his family and I, we built a, uh, my family, we built a house in the same subdivision. And what we would do is even though his kids were little, little, and my kids are about the same age as his kids are now, we would gather together when it snowed and we would play in the snow, right? We would have white chicken chili. What? What's up? And we'd have that to keep warm, but we'd grab our trash can lids, our, our cardboard boxes. We'd, we'd walk up to Chateau Alain Golf Course and go sledding down the fairways. Pretty sure that's illegal, but hey, the Statue of Limitations is up on that, I'm pretty sure. But we love snow. So Pastor Dave and I love snow. And so I sent him the text and I was like, hey, why won't the temperatures just drop? And his answer to me was kind of funny. He replied and said, because the Lord listens to the prayers of your wife more than he does us, <laughs> right? And, and, and listen, don't, don't knock on my wife. Don't judge her. That's my job, all right? Um, I don't judge her. Just kidding. Totally kidding. Um, but the, the deal is this. Since our kids have gotten older, my wife's idea of snow festivities is, hey, honey, can you bring in enough firewood so I can keep the fire going while you're gone playing in the snow? She just does not like cold weather. But again, we pray for snow and it, it didn't happen. The, the, prayer, the answer prayer wasn't there. Um, maybe students, maybe you've prayed for, to make a team or to make some club, and it didn't happen. Or maybe you prayed for a certain guy or a certain girl to like you, and that didn't happen. Adults, you may have prayed for a certain job, the job that you wanted, that didn't happen. Husbands, wives, you may have prayed that something about your spouse would change and that didn't happen. Or maybe you prayed for healing for someone and it didn't happen. My guess is that everyone in this room at some point has prayed for something and they didn't get the answer. And what we have to realize is when we're faced with that unanswered prayer, is it gonna cause us to run away from God or cause us to run toward God? And we see Jonah's prayer, we, we hear Jonah's prayer, we just read Jonah's prayer, but in order to get a really good context of what's taking place, we need to revisit a little of chapter one. We know that God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, right? We know that. And we don't know the reason that, that Jonah didn't want to go. Maybe it was perhaps that he wanted to, to go to deliver this special message to the people of Tarshish, because that's where he ended up heading towards. But what we know is that in some way, he didn't get the answer that he wanted from God. And he runs. Not just physically, but he runs prayerfully. And what's crazy is when he gets on the boat, and they're on the boat, and the storm comes, the crew, this pagan crew, begins to pray to their little God, their little G-gods, and we know that the prayer doesn't get answered because there's no such thing. Little G-gods don't exist, right? One day, I want to teach and preach a message about how the reason some of our prayers don't get answered is because we're praying to a form of God that doesn't exist. 
Like, like we're praying to a God that we created in our own image and likeness instead of to a God that created us in his image and likeness. And a little bit more simplified is maybe we just spend more time praying to what we treat God as if he's a genie in a bottle that he's going to grant us our three wishes. But I'm going to save that one for another day. Back to Jonah. Back to Jonah. This, this pagan crew, this pagan, pagan crew has, has prayed to their little gods and nothing happened. So what do they do? They run to Jonah and Jonah's sleeping. They shake him, they wake him up and they say, pray to your God for relief. Then something interesting happens. <laughs> they cry out to God and God answers their prayers. They cry out to God, they toss Jonah overboard and God answers their prayers. How many of you have ever had this thought? God, why are you answering, answering their prayers, but you're not answering mine? Because I am way much more holy than they are. Okay, maybe we don't actually say that, right? Maybe we don't even think it. But the truth is, that is what we imply when we question why God answers some prayers and doesn't answer our prayers. This part of the story is such a great reminder of God's grace. You have these people who, who don't know God, but yet they cry out to God and God answers their prayer. And God does the same for Jonah. We just saw that in the reading of, of chapter two, but for example, his grace is so good that he even loves us so much that he would sometimes give us what we need, the belly of a fish, instead of what we want, a sunset cruise to a preferred destination. And when he gives us what we need as an expression of his grace, it draws us back to him. That is the goal, is to draw us back to the Father. And we know that because what happens immediately after Jonah was swallowed by the fish? Scripture tells us he prays. He prays. He prays from the confinement of the fish's belly, not from the comfort of a cruise. And the confinement of the fish's belly actually protected him from the seas consuming him and possibly killing him. So ultimately, the confinement became Jonah's transportation for God's preferred future and destination for his life. And so if you're taking notes this morning, you might want to write this down. Confinement can be our transportation for God's preferred future and destination for us. Because in between being consumed by the sea and carried to God's preferred future, the confinement provides a closet for us to cry out to God. Jonah says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Confinement provides a closet for us concentrating on what's happening internally. The confinement draws us to this place of choice. The choice we choose either draws us closer to the Lord or it pushes us further away from him. 
And notice how it pushes us further away from him. Because God is steadfast. His love endures forever. His promises are fulfilled and faithful. He is always right there. But when we choose to do something that goes against him, we are actually pressing against an immovable force and it pushes us ourselves away from his preferred future and destination for us. And just like Pastor David shared last week, had Jonah just done what God asked and gone to Nineveh? Had he just gone to Nineveh, that storm that stirred up, the winds would have actually propelled him with momentum to God's preferred future and destination for his life. But instead he chose opposite. And it created this headwind of resistance against him. Confinement provides a closet for us to concentrate on what's happening internally. Listen, I used to love to play hide and seek as a kid, right? Anybody else play hide and seek? Anybody else, anybody else still play hide and seek? Yeah. Hey, okay, okay. That's good, that's good. Listen, my favorite, one of my favorite places to play hide and go seek is when I used to go to the mall. We used to go to the mall as a family, right? It's probably not the best thing to do to your parents, um, but hey, it's whatever, right? Um, my favorite place to hide at the mall would be shopping. You know the little circular racks with the clothes on it that hang all the way to the ground? Yeah, I saw you. All right, so I used to love to climb up underneath those things and, and just sit real quiet and real still. My parents would be looking and trying to look at clothes, and I would reach out and try to grab them and scare them. They'd be like, ah! Right? But right out, <laughs> I really didn't scare them, by the way. Like, they were just being nice to me and making me feel good about myself. I realized that after I had my own kids and they grew up. But even at home, I love to play hide and seek. My favorite place to hide at home was a closet. Didn't matter which closet, any closet. All right, I'd love to go in the closet, shut the door, and then I'd just start pulling clothes down off the hanger to cover myself up. My mom, she's sitting on the front row. She didn't like that a whole lot. And I'm pretty sure that I am responsible for the Lord teaching her what grace is. But here's what the closet does. It shuts you off from all the noise and distraction around you. And when you're in the closet, you have nothing to do but focus on the voices in your head and in your heart. But see, we like the noise, right? We like the distraction because what's that do? It keeps us from focusing on what's happening on the inside of us. And something clicked for Jonah in the confinement of the fish's belly. And it will click for us when we recognize that the confinement is a closet for us to cry out to God. Jonah says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. There are four things that we can learn in chapter two today about God and Jonah. And the first is this, God heard Jonah despite his guilt. Right? Jonah admits in his prayer that he was driven from God's sight. He admits that it was his own doing that pushed him and drove him from God's sight. It was an admission of guilt. But here's the reality about the God we love and the God we serve and the God that is our father. There is no guilt. There is no shame that can keep us from his love. Listen, God hears us despite our guilt. The second thing that we learn about God 
in this story is this. God heard Jonah despite God's discipline of him. Like Jonah places full responsibility on God for casting him into the sea. But God is a good, loving dad who corrects and disciplines those he loves. How many parents do we have in the room? Do you correct correct and discipline your kids because you just don't like them? You just want to be mean to them? No. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Listen, you get kind of nervous when you hear a little rumbling to a question like that, and you're thinking, is one of the kids going, see, yeah, I knew it. I knew it the whole time. No. We, We correct them and we discipline them because we love them. Right? I had a conversation with a young guy, a young man about a couple of weeks ago, and, and the conversation was, he was kind of frustrated and upset and angry, and he felt like that uh, the Lord was doing a lot of this stuff to him, and it wasn't fair, and I, I started to ask him two questions that I always ask in that situation. When it, when it comes around the decisions that we make to bring about the consequences in our lives, and we want to blame God for it. And so I asked him this question. First question was this. I said, would you say that I'm a loving, good dad if if from the moment my children were born, I told them they had no freedom. They had no choice. They had to be just like me. They had to dress the way I dress, walk the way I walk, talk the way I talk, drink the way I drink, eat the way I eat, cut their hair the way I cut my hair. Like they have no choice. There's no freedom in your life. You have to do exactly like I do. And the young man said, well, no. And I said, well, okay, why not? (laughs) He said, because you're not giving them the freedom they need to grow into the calling that God may have called them to. I said, fair enough. Got one more question. (laughs) Would you say that I'm a good loving dad If from the time my kids were born, I told them no rules applied to them. They had the freedom to do whatever they wanted to do. They could go out. They could drop out of school. They could get drunk. They could do any drug they wanted to. They could stay out, do whatever they wanted to. They could rob, kill, steal, destroy, sleep with whoever they want to. No laws, no thing keeps you. You just just do what you want. And he looks at me so puzzled. He says, well, no. I said, okay, why not? He goes, because now you're not providing any structure or guide to help them and steer them into their calling in their life. And I said, you're exactly right. I said, it's the same way with our heavenly dad. Like, listen, he loves us so much that he gave us the freedom to choose. He gave us this thing called free will. He gives us the freedom to either choose to love him back and love his ways or not. But when we choose not to, he gently guides us and directs us, disciplines us and corrects us so that we can get back on the path to God's preferred future and destination for our life. The third thing we learn from Jonah 
about God from Jonah this morning is God heard Jonah despite of the impossible situation. Right? Jonah says the waves overtook him, the seaweed entangled him, sand had him stuck. Sometimes don't you just feel like that? Don't you feel like you're faced with these impossible situations and circumstances in your life? Maybe it's time that we start telling these impossible situations and circumstances how big our God is instead of telling our God how big our impossible situation and circumstance is. So I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you brought in here with you. But what I do know is I have, we can have a relationship with the Father in and through the work of Jesus Christ so that the possibilities in heaven can now become an attack to impossible things here on earth. And the last thing that we, can, that we learn from Jonah today is this, that God heard Jonah just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. Jonah said that his life was fainting away. He was about to die and God rescued him. To God heard Jonah just in the nick of time, but I want to rephrase that a little bit. And say, God hears us all the time. But here's what we have to understand about God in time. God's timing is always perfect. His timing is always perfect. And as the band would make their way back up here, I want to share with you a story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, me and some of the prayer team had the opportunity to go to an event down in Orlando, Florida called The Send. And at this event, it was crazy. It was like a dream come true for me. Like I, see, I went to the University of Georgia and I went to the University of Georgia in the Ray Goff era. So we didn't have a whole lot to cheer about and um, except for hearing Georgia Bulldogs. But it, at this event, The Send, there were 70,000 people crammed into Camping World Stadium. And we were worshiping together. We were, we were praying together. We were minister, ministering to each other. From 10 a.m. in the morning to 10 p.m. at night. And as the night started to close, we had some pastors and teachers and evangelists that took the stage. And one of the evangelists just said, you know, I've been pressed, felt pressed all day by God to, to pray for people who have struggled with self-harm addictions. And this... This evangelist went on to say, he goes, I, I really felt pressed for, for, for us to go after healing for people who've struggled with cutting. And he, he said, I, I feel like the Lord just doesn't want to bring healing, but he physically wants to remove the scars from their body. And so he said, we're going to pray this. I'm going to pray this great, elaborate uh, very spiritual, over-spiritual prayer with all these big words in it. That's actually not what he said. He said, we're going to count to three and we're going to cry out the name Jesus. And in that moment, whew, in that moment, what I realized is we sell short the name of Jesus. All we have to do, like Jonah, is cry out. That's 
all he wants from us. And he said, as, as we cry out and we, we cry out to Jesus, he goes, if you receive healing, if you, if you start to see scars disappear from your arm, or if scars just vanish, he goes, or they're gradually vanishing, he goes, we want you to cut your flashlight on on your phone, and then we want you to just start waving your hands like this to kind of let us know that healing's taking place, that God is removing those scars. <laughs> One, two, Three, Jesus! And within about 10 seconds, you see flashlights turning on. Arms waving. And listen, in, in, a, in a stadium filled with 70,000 people, it's kind of hard to get a good count, right? But what I know is there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people waving their hands with flashlights as the prayer was answered. Their prayer was answered. Their scars were being removed. I bumped into a girl here locally who works at a coffee shop and her and some of her friends had actually gone down this event too. I didn't know it, but she said her friend had struggled with cutting and there at the event, there was a scar that was right here that disappeared, but she had other scars on her. And ever since I talked to her this week, she has said that more and more scars are disappearing. Yeah, I know, right? God's still in the business of working miracles. All because of the power in the name of Jesus. And so, hundreds and hundreds of people are receiving an answer to that prayer. But then I happen to notice there's a group of girls that are sitting right in front of us, a little to the right. And I notice one girl in the middle looks, is looking at her arm and she pulls her sleeve back down. She starts to weep. And her two friends on either side lay their head on her shoulder and they begin to weep with her. And what I realized in that moment is even though hundreds and hundreds of people were getting the same prayer answered, this girl was not getting her answer. And listen, even though she was not in the belly of a fish, she is still in that confinement, in the closet. And so I just begin to pray, Dad, don't let this be a stumbling block for her and her walk with you. Don't let it be. And still, hundreds and hundreds of more people are waving their hands in the air, receiving healing, receiving the answer to that prayer. And this girl is stuck in that moment of confinement. Will she choose? She's placed, she's brought to a place of making a choice. Will she choose to run from God or run to God? From God or to God? And then an old pastor walks out on the stage and he begins to sing this old hymn. And it wasn't the best rendition of the hymn that I've heard, uh, but it was probably better than mine would be. But he began to sing. Then sings my soul my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. And then he, he goes through the, that course one more time. And I, I'm just imagining the internal struggle that's taking place in this girl's confinement in her closet. Am I going to run to you or am I going to run from you? Then sings my soul 
run from you or I'm going to run to you. I didn't get the answer that I had prayed for. My Savior God to thee. And then this girl stands up to her feet, lifts her hands in the sky and starts singing, how great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. He said, Gus, this is leadership in my church. Not from a pastoral standpoint or a leader or director role, but anyone who has claimed the name of my son, Jesus Christ. This is the response that I want from them. And then he did a little surgery on my heart. Real, real moment of surgery. He said, Gus, listen, you praise and worship me when you get your prayers answered. And Gus, most of the time, you praise and worship me when you don't get the answer that you want. He goes, my desire for you is that you would praise and worship me no matter the answer. Because see, it boils down to trust. Gus, do you trust me? Gus, do you trust me? Gus, do you trust me with everything? He said, Gus, do you trust that, that I know what you need is gonna be way, way better than what you think you know you want? And so this morning, just want to take an opportunity to just kind of reflect on Jonah's prayer, Jonah's story. And I just want to ask you, bow your head and close your eyes. See, maybe you have prayed something or prayed for something and it didn't happen. Maybe that caused you to run from God's presence physically or maybe just caused you to run from him spiritually in prayer. And you find yourself in this this situation, this confinement, this situation or circumstance. Are you going to, and maybe you're in this confinement for the reason of, hey, just like Jonah, he's protecting you from something that could overwhelm you, consume you, or kill you. Or maybe you're in this confinement because he's trying to get you to his preferred future and destination for your life. What I know is that God's desire for you is to cry out to him. His desire for you is to cry out to him. And listen, when, we, when we're running from God in prayer, it's typically an indicator that, that God wants more of us. He wants more of your love, more of your loyalty, more of your trust. And you can cry out despite your guilt. You can cry out despite his discipline of you. You can cry out in the impossible situation. And you can cry out even at the point of your last breath. But what we know is God wants more you. The only question we have to answer is, do we really want more God? 
Do we really want more God? Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy out Brokenness and pain is all I know Oh, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand